You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, you beautiful mother. <laughs> and welcome to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast and Network, your team every day. Happy Monday. I am Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. I am also the founder of Whole9Sports.com, where you can find all of my written work. Today, we're talking O-line. It's a big, ugly episode of Locked On Gators, so you know what we're doing. Past, present, future before we get started just a quick reminder to follow locked on gators wherever you listen to podcasts that you never miss an episode and i'm gonna say this pretty much every day this week uh next week i'll be on vacation so while there will be new episodes every day they'll be pre-recorded so if there's any news or anything breaks um sorry i'll get to it when i get back i guess uh there's only one place to get all the info you need on the sec five days a week and that's Lockdown SEC with Chris Gordy of Sports 790. Follow the Lockdown SEC podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, taking a look back at last year's offensive line group was, um, I, I'm not too sure how to describe it besides saying that I, at least, was very disappointed with the offensive line play from the Florida Gators last year. I, I wanted more. I expected more. I hoped for more. Um, but we got we got on the bright side. They weren't terrible. Like that's that's one thing where I feel like a lot of people are kind of uh, a lot of people that are hard on the O line are usually kind of bashing the Gators O line. It's like they weren't bad. They certainly weren't good. But they weren't bad. Like they were about as average as you can get across the board, really. Um, so that's why it's like, yeah, no, like I, I'm disappointed with how the offensive line played as a unit. Um, obviously, there were a few bright spots that kind of um, played better individually, but we're taking a look at the offensive line as a unit. So yeah, there's there's a bit of a difference there. Um, yeah, personally, I mean, pass blocking. They were okay. Um, they kind of had to be <laughs> pretty good here just because we had a quarterback, Kyle Trask, of course, um, that wasn't exactly mobile. Um, he was mobilely challenged, <laughs> I'll say, um, or athletically challenged, if that'll help. I don't know. But, yeah, he, he, was, uh, he was not super athletic. And the offensive line kind of had more pressure on them when it came time to pass blocking because they needed to keep a clean pocket for him because he couldn't create those extra plays for himself. And he had real difficulty extending plays unless he was stepping up in a pretty clean pocket already. So that's kind of, yeah, they were they were eh, pass blockers, um, which is unfortunate because that's where they were better. <laughs> uh, when we look at their run blocking, I just... It was, um, there's a phrase I like to use, and it is the perfect way to describe the Florida Gators run blocking from last year, and that phrase is wildly inconsistent. Um, so that's what they were as run blockers. Like, it was just, it was such a hit or miss thing, and I mean, 
part of that, honestly, is probably just on the scheme itself. Like we were a very pass-heavy offense last year. Our running game never really got the opportunity to get into a rhythm. Our O-line never really um, got the opportunity to kind of just line up and like like punch dudes in the mouth. Like they, they never really had the opportunity to do that. So like I'll give them the benefit of the doubt there and say that part of it was that schematically they never had to get involved too much. However, when they had to get involved run blocking, and they were just so inconsistent. It was such a disappointment for me just because I don't I don't know. Like I I think we had a decent running back room last year and I think that they were um underutilized, I guess, I'll say. Um not that I was unhappy with the scheme last year, but I would have liked to see a little bit more of a ground game get going and let the offensive line get into more of a rhythm. And I think ultimately that would have helped this passing attack be even more efficient and even more effective. Um, also taking a look at last year, we had two players that and on the offensive line that ended up being legitimate draft prospects. Uh, Brett Heggie, of course, who was the center last year, he went undrafted, um, which is super unfortunate. But on the fortunate side, <laughs> he signed with the New York Giants, which, of course, my favorite team, and also a team that kind of needs help along the interior offensive line. So Brett Heggie signed with a team that, one, I love, and two, has a legitimate need for him and someone with his experience and his skill set because that Giants offensive line... Um, less than stellar, <laughs> I'll say. Um, I don't think anyone will have a problem with me saying that about them. Uh, less than stellar, uh, not super experienced across the board. Um, so Brett Heggie, I mean, I, I think he's got a decent chance of making a roster this year or making the Giants roster this year. If not, he'll probably be a practice squad player, which is totally fine to do in your first few years. Um, of course, then leading into the player that actually got drafted from this offensive line stone forsyth got drafted on day three to the seattle seahawks and let me tell you that was one of the most shocking falls of the draft like they were a lot like i i had our darius washington as like a i think a top 10 player in the class and he went undrafted granted we know why he went undrafted um He's small and not super athletic, but I'm not going to harp on that. Um, but Brett Heggie was, I mean, uh, Stone Forsyth was one of the biggest falls of the draft that I genuinely didn't expect. Like, he has great size, great length, um, experience at both tackle spots. He's just, yeah, uh, he was someone that I thought would go early, mid, day two, um, not not even me like saying like oh I think that's where he should go it's where I thought he would go um, because I'm generally like where I think people should go usually not on track with where I think they will go so yeah um, but Stone Forsyth is someone that yeah I thought he would go early midday too like he he even said during his uh, during his pro day he was like hey like, yeah like, I'm I'm being told like mid rounds um, so. Oof. It was, it was a toughie to watch that because we were on the live stream, of course, so it was rough. But, I mean, hey, this offensive line, we usually get a couple guys in the NFL every year, and that's exactly what we got last year. And, I mean, I, I'll say 
not consistent whatsoever, very underwhelming, but not I I, I don't know how to say, they weren't terrible. I'll I'll stick with that. They they were probably the worst part of the offense last year, but they still weren't terrible. It was a fantastic offense. As we build anticipation for the football season, let's start building our bodies too. Built Bar is the best protein bar on the market. It has 18 delicious flavors, including recent Built Bar champion coconut brownie chunk. Personally, I'm a cookie dough chunk or peanut butter brownie kind of guy. If you're trying to eat clean, but you've got a sweet tooth like me, that is no longer a problem, thankfully, because I got vacation in a way. And let me say, my cousin tried calling me chunky the other day. Like, I'm 5'11", 165 pounds. I'm not chunky at all. I'm just going to say, I'll fight. I'm, I'm not, mm. um, But Built Bar is your low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber solution. You can even enjoy it if you're keto. Remember to use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order that is LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, one five to get 15% off of your next order at BuiltBar.com. And in today's second segment, we're visited by the ghosts of O-Line present. Um, sorry, every time I do the past, present, future, that's what pops into my head, and I finally figured today, that's when I'm going to bring it up. Um, I, I'm, I hate myself, dude. It's fine. Of course, as I just spoke about, uh, Stone Forsyth, Brett Heggie gone so the gators from for this year have to replace two starters from last year which uh you know that that's easier said than done i'll say because you could be like oh well we still have 60 percent of our starters it's like each o-line unit is completely different if you just change one player so changing two pretty big deal um don't want y'all to get it twisted uh, there likely is going to be some uh some shuffling along the offensive line. I think we're going to see guys play positions that we didn't, uh, that we don't know them for playing. Uh, and I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm cool with it. I, I'm of the uh, thought process that change is good. And especially if you have something that was okay, change can be great. I will say that I think this offensive line is, um, I think they're going to be relied upon more this year than they were last year by a pretty significant margin, and that's a little worrisome. Um, just because, you know, we don't have Kyle Trask. We have Emory Jones now, which is fantastic to me. Like, everybody knows I'm a big Emory Jones fan. Like, I think he's got it. I think he's got a fantastic skill set. I think he's going to be... I, I'm legitimately, like... I am so genuine when I say that. I think he's going to be the Heisman. Um, or at least like a finalist. Like I think he's going to be up there if he stays healthy. Um, but this is an offense that now has Emory Jones playing quarterback. It's probably going to... Uh, he's probably going to need a little bit more time to process than Kyle Trask did just because Emory doesn't have the, uh, the real game experience yet to play consistently. So he's... And I mean we've seen when he's on there he wasn't asked to do a ton um so he's probably going to need a little bit more time with this o-line than uh kyle trask needed just to process a little bit more granted emory also has the advantage of extending plays but yeah we'll see where he goes with that and o-line still has to work on extended plays like that's not like 
they don't get to just stop once you leave the pocket. <laughs> also, this rushing attack this year, probably going to be a huge part of the offense. Like I said last year, schematically, this offensive line, they weren't asked to do a ton of run blocking. Like run blocking or the running attack wasn't really a huge part of this offense last year. This year, it's going to be a massive part of the offense, I think at least. So this offensive line, you're uh, you're, you're going to have some more pressure on you to succeed this year. And I don't want to be the guy, but it's like, I mean, it all starts at you, really. Like This offensive line needs to find success if this offense is going to find success. Um, because granted, I, I, I love the guys that we have at receiver and tight end. You can listen to the receiver and tight end episodes. Um, but... I, I don't we don't have a Kyle Pitts guy who's a generational talent. We don't have Kadarius Tony who can who is a voodoo man. He just he's like uh what's his name? Nightcrawler from uh X-Men where he just like and just shows up in a different spot. Like that's Kadarius Tony. Like you just have no idea how he got to where he got like it's just it's leaves you flabbergasted every time. Um so we don't have that, so it's not going to be easy as check down let other people make plays screw it Kyle Pitts down there somewhere and just heave it like that's not an option this year so this offensive line needs to step up they cannot be the weak link and I mean like the likely starters at this point from left to right I'm thinking will be Richard Gouridge Ethan White Stuart Reese Josh Braun John DeLance um if John DeLance I don't want to I don't want to be rude about it um if he struggles as mightily as he did last year, I think that we could very easily see Michael Tarkin come in and replace him. We saw DeLance get kind of uh, replaced a little bit last year. like he, They rotated a little bit um, when he would struggle. And I, I think that, you know, he he's probably going to have a shorter leash this year just because why wouldn't he? Like, you have more experience you should then be better this year. Like that, That's that's what I'm saying. Um, uh, the first two games are going to be s- solid warm-up games, but O-line's getting thrown to the wolves early. Like week three, Alabama, say what you want about them, but every year, their D-line, they do not play. So this, this team needs to pick it up early and needs to gel early. And for me at least, this offensive line is the biggest question mark on the entire roster like not just on the offense on the entire roster this offensive line is the biggest question mark for me and honestly i think that if if the offensive line or if this team doesn't reach their expectations i think it's safe to say that it's because of the offensive line a bit like i I, i'm going to say that like i think that they weigh that heavily on the success of this team think the gators have a shot at the natty this year if you're confident, Bet Online currently has plus 2,800 odds, and I'm just saying, like, you know me, you know I'm going to say it. I'm going to take them. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Bet Online even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV, with real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. It is the best way to place your bets, and it's 100% free to sign. Like, legitimately, to sign up, 100% free. 
head to the website, which is how I like to use it on my mobile phone, um, uh, to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Make sure to use promo code locked on. That's L O C K E D, no space, O N. And now looking at the offensive line's future. Well, uh, 2022, I'm going to say probably going to be another year with three out of five starters returning just because we've got guys losing eligibility. And I don't know if any of the people that have eligibility will re- remaining will leave for the NFL. Uh, that's just kind of uh, not, yeah, like we don't have guys that I think that I'm looking at right now and I'm like, yeah, they're going to be high, high draft picks. So I don't think they're going to leave early. Um, it's also not really... A situation where it's like, oh, guys have to leave early to get paid because now they can with NIL, which, by the way, I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, for those of you who don't know, like I work in finance and I've been telling people I love NIL mainly because it is so hard for an athlete to plan for retirement uh, because they are a football player specifically because they have the shortest careers for the longest retirements and college, getting paid in college at least, if you plan it right, helps you kind of get there sooner so that's why i love it uh i'm sorry back to the show now uh hopefully next year as in 2022 of course uh we'll see an offense that is going to be as balanced as humanly possible uh to always keep defenses guessing you know again i think this year we're gonna see an offense that's a lot more run heavy last year we saw an offense that was a lot more pass heavy hopefully in 2022 when emory's got a full year under his belt when uh, the skill positions kind of step up a bit when the offensive line gels a bit. Uh, hopefully, we'll get to see an offense that is just truly unpredictable. And I can't wait. Just, I mean, uh, I'm going to have a blast with the offense this year. I know I already can't wait. Uh, the 2021 recruits, so the guys that are freshmen now, uh, include four star interior offensive lineman Yusuf Mugarbil, um, three star interior offensive lineman Jake Slaughter, and one guy that I am so excited for already. Like when I say I'm excited for this, I don't get excited for offensive line recruits early. Hell, I can barely get excited for offensive line prospects, and mainly because not because O line play isn't great, because I suck at evaluating offensive line talent. So I'm just gonna tell you the truth. That's that's what it is. I'm I'm very horribly inconsistent with it. Um, I will say, Tristan Wirfs was my first offensive tackle so take that what you will um i I actually i didn't even remember like you guys are probably bucks fans (laughs) so i was just pointing out that he's a beast and he's the guy i had ot1 um three-star offensive tackle austin barber is who i'm very excited for sorry i realized that was a very very long-winded way to get to tell you about the guy that i'm excited for um three-star offensive tackle austin barber is a guy that i'm very excited for mainly because he's just coming out of high school and the dude is six foot seven, three hundred pounds. And don't get me wrong, like he's he's probably gonna bulk up a little bit more, just because like we see offensive linemen are like six four, three fifteen. He's six seven. He can add weight to his frame. Like I, I can't wait for that because he's just gonna be a mountain of a man. Like we just saw Stone Forsyth, just basically the same size, just left for the NFL. I cannot wait to see Austin Barber. Once he's had a couple years with a college, especially Florida, strength and conditioning program, oh my god, he's going to be a beast. I'm so excited for it. 
2022 has just one O-line commit so far, and that is four-star Tony Livingston. He's an offensive tackle, which, I mean, if we've got one O-line recruit and it's a four-star tackle, I'm going to say it's a pretty dang good start to the uh, to the recruiting process. Uh, the recruits looking like they got some potential. Like I said, like I, I'm a huge fan of Austin Barber's size. We got two four-stars in Tony Livingston in 2022. Yusuf Mugarbil this year, who's the Gator now. Um, so they've got the potential. Uh, but, I mean, if I'm going to be completely honest with you, if I need, if I'm going to be comfortable with this offense at all, and this offensive line this year or next year, I would like to see some more results this coming year in terms of not necessarily the offensive line unit playing great, but seeing some development. Like I, I would like to see development amongst individuals because I think bringing in these high caliber—they're not even high caliber—just bringing in these talented recruits and developing them. Two totally different things, of course. Like it's a big difference between just bringing in guys and developing them and making them NFL caliber players. Like that's what I need to see some offensive line and step up this year to really be excited for the guys we have uh, in 2022. And I mean the guys that are incoming freshmen now, because odds are they're not going to play much at all. Um, but I'm excited for the future. Like the future of Florida looks just very bright with all the recruits that we've got coming in. I I cannot. And not wait for it. That about does it for today's episode of Locked On Gators. Join me tomorrow as we take a look at some of the Gators. I'm most excited to see this coming season. Once again, my name is Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. You can find all of my written work with Whole Nine Sports. This is W-H-O-L-E-N-I-N-E Sports. Be sure to check out Locked On HBCU. Hosted by Reggie Flood, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked on HBCU debuts today, and I can tell you that a lot of us at Locked On are very excited for the show. Don't miss out. Be a part of something special. Be a part of something awesome. And, you know, just, just be awesome yourself. Betting on the Gators doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day follow the locked on bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts